Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back. We're glad you could join us for our morning Bible study as we continue to study for 2 Samuel. Charles, could you please pray for us? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for everything that you've been doing, Lord. I just thank you for coming into our midst, Lord, to teach us more, Lord, and to have your way with us, Lord, and to orchestrate everything that you have for us in life, Lord. <laughs> and I just thank you for everybody who listens to these devotional words, Lord, and grows from them and comes out with more knowledge, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for everybody who's going to listen to the Lord and everybody who continues to walk in your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, welcome, everyone. We're going to pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting with verse 15. Um, if you haven't had a chance to be, get, to listen to the first portion of um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, I encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's message so that way you can kind of catch up and see where we are in this chapter um, and hear you know, what the Holy Spirit was saying during that particular message. But... For today, we're going to start in verse 15. Kyla, can you read for me, please? Yes. It says, Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with him. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is it that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and his, he called his name Solomon. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's okay. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jebediah. Jedediah. Jedediah. Mm -hmm. I apologize. That's okay, sweetheart. Because of the Lord. Amen. Okay. So John can't be here with us today. He's got other um, obligations that he's been called to. So I'm going to try to fill in. I'm going to pretend to be dad today, guys. So <laughs> what did the Lord minister to you out of these verses of scripture? What did the Holy Spirit bring to your attention and your remembrance? Kind of the fact that it was a child that died. Mm-hmm. 
the child that died instead of what? Or what does that mean to you, sweetheart? Kind of like how... Part of me is like, I don't get it, but the other part of me is like, okay, I can get that because technically the child would be the child of a harlot. Well, God still has mercy on, on harlots. He has mercy on the just and the unjust alike. Um, what happens is, though, uh, we've been kind of talking about how the enemy looks for an opportunity to interfere with the believer's life and throw it off track, right? Yes. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 28, please. We went over this at the beginning part of um, chapter 12, but it, it needs to be reiterated here. So let's look at verse 4, and then we're going to also compare it and look at verse 18. So Deuteronomy 28, verse 4. Somebody read that for me. I'll read it. Bless up with the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Okay, so the first, the opening part of that verse, the first part, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Those are your children. And if we look at the, the first verse of chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that your Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And it continues to tell about all the blessings that will, that are yours, that, that come upon you as a result of you being obedient to the Lord and being faithful to him. That's a part of our covenant that that's a part of the process. When you are obedient to God, these things belong to you and yours, and they will pursue you and overtake you to be present in your life. And one of those is the blessing resting on your children. That means protection. That means um, favor. That means um, increase for them. All of those kind of things. And the Lord expects us to train them up and continue teaching them how to walk in the path and enact obedience in their own life so that they can begin to bring that blessing into their own life themselves, but also into their generations. Um, let's see. And then someone read for me verse 18. I will. And it says, Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Okay. What was the first part of that verse? Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. Okay. So if we back up to verse 15, it says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you, which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And we've already discovered as we looked at, um, reflecting on Adam and Eve, it's not God who's cursing you. He doesn't have cursing. He tells us not to be, um, yes and no, and have, he has no wickedness in him. Right. But what yes. happens is you step the, the disobedient one steps outside of the covering of God and in his the, under the wings of the shadow of the almighty is the protection is the safekeeping. It keeps the adversary away from what belongs to you. Um, David in Psalm 91 records it as only with my eyes shall I see the reward of the wicked. But when you go, mm, I'm going to be God today or I'm going to yield to 
my flesh or the, the enemy who is Satan. And then you obey that person. That's who you become a slave of whoever you're obedient to. You are their slave. So when you, when a believer or anybody yields to that, but in particular, in particular, we're talking about believers here. When a believer yields to the enemy, now the hedge of protection has been breached. Now there's a hole in your fence, if you will. Now there's an opportunity for the enemy to come in. And Jesus said, he, the thief cometh not, but to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life. life. Yes, life and life more abundantly. Eternal life, yes. But having the abundant life as well. They go together. So if the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, what do you see here? And, and happening in the life of this particular child, but David as well. Uh, killing? Killing. The, the theft of life. He stole here. Now, God has given protection, our parents, a particular authority over children, over their children. So my obedience provides a hedge of protection for my children. That's why it's so important. Don't make decisions that other people are going to be responsible to pay for. The blessing is stay with God, right? Jesus said, yes. you're in the palm of, they're in the palm of my hand, the ones that, that were committed to his care by the Father, and no one snatches them out. However, any individual can decide to climb down. No one can snatch you out of Jesus's hands, but you can certainly get out of it yourself because we have a choice, right? Yes. And thinking back about Cain, when he was so angry over Abel, and Abel did nothing to him, but he was angry about the situation, angry with God. What did God say to him? Sin lies at the door and is desirous to have you. That's right. It's, it's desirous to run ruckshot through your life, to kill you, to destroy any chance and hope that you have of good or the blessing of God being made manifest. That's what happened to Cain's parents, correct? Yes. They were exiled from the garden as a result. Curse came into the earth. I mean, the, the woman could not even enjoy the act of giving birth. Now it's going to be um, surrounded by pain. Right? That was, that was what the Lord said. Now, because you've done this, this is a result of your actions. Here's the consequence that goes along with it. So when we're looking at this particular scripture, the Lord didn't kill the child, but there was no covering because David left the hedge of protection open. He made a big gaping hole in it so the enemy could come through and steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, so parents, as you are watching and covering your children, be aware of the consequences of your actions. And you four, when you become parents, it's not when you are in process of becoming a parent, it's not the time to think of what seeds you're sowing or have sown. It's time now. Okay. Yes. Because David, in the thoughts in the backs of it, in the back of his mind, I don't think he thought that a child would result from his interaction with Bathsheba. I don't think he thought, mm, you know, I'm going to have a child from this. I think that was the furthest thing from his mind. Hence, all the effort he tried to cover it up. Right. Yes. yes. If he had expected it, he would have prepared for it. But although it was une he didn't expect it. Now things are in motion because of that action. 
right? And now there's someone else that's attached to him and associated with his life. And as little children, babies, God charges us to protect our children, to tend and keep what he entrusted to us, what the Heavenly Father entrusted to us. So um, keep that in mind. Speak life over your children, parents. Um, maintain obedience and a, an excellent um, example for your children. So that way when they look upon those things, they don't see sin. They see, this is how I'm supposed to carry myself before the Lord. But in the, the grand scheme of it, keep the hedge of protection strong by your own obedience. Does that make sense? Yes. Because this little baby didn't even have the opportunity to make a choice, to live. But its life was snatched that quickly. Okay? And that was purely David making the hole because God already promised and committed to bless the fruit of your body. And premature, premature death is not a blessing. No parent has ever been like, thanks, God, you know, that shoe. In, the, in, in experiencing the loss of their child, they've never felt that way. It's not a blessing. So on the contrary, it's a curse. Okay? Yes. Yes. Lord. All right. So anybody else have anything that comes to mind or the Holy Spirit's bringing to your attention? Um, I just found David's entire process of handling the entire situation interesting. Okay. Like it says he fasted and he laid on the ground and wept while mm -hmm. the David, while the, not David, while the child was still alive. Mm -hmm. And, but when the child died, he got up and put him, got himself back together and mm -hmm. continued on with his life. Mm -hmm. And even his servants were confused by his actions. Mm -hmm. I guess in a way I can see and understand why David would behave in that manner, but then again, I don't. Okay. Which part of it was strange to you? Um, more so how quick it appears he got over it. He was over in the morning. Um, it's, it's not necessarily that it was quick. It's more or less coming to terms with it. So you can still go, okay, this is just what happened and move forward, but it doesn't mean that you don't feel any kind of emotional um, pain or connection associated with it. It just means you're you're determining to keep moving forward. So does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay, what else, what other thoughts do you have, dear? And also when um, Solomon was born and it said, and now God loved him, mm -hmm. and he sent word by the prophet Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to the devotional, we were discussing how that could be like how the Lord was clearly against um, David taking Bathsheba as a wife. The but actions, absolutely. He loved Solomon mm -hmm. and gave him a place of honor. And we kind of were discussing how that made sense or if we missed something. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. Well, that's a good, that's a good question. It's a fair question and a, a good point. Let's look at promise. Turn to numbers 32, verse 23. Uh, let's see. Layla, turn to Romans 2, verse 6. 
And let me know when you get there. Numbers 32, 23. Okay. Is everyone else there? Okay. I would like you to read first, promise, and then I'll have you read Layla in just a moment. But if you do, but if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will be find out. Find out, will find you out. Okay. So, what does that mean to you? That you can only hide what you did for so long, then the Lord exposes it. It's not even you can hide it. He already knows about it. Just from natural people, you can hide it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But not from the Lord. He sees everything. That he does. And also, you're not going to go, well, since I did this thing in the secret, the devil doesn't know I did this. And that that's the key right there. Of course, God knows. God is omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's God. He's everywhere. He has eyes that see all things. There's nothing hidden from him, everything is naked and open unto the Lord. But who is not omnipotent? Satan. That's your adversary. There are spiritual laws. We discussed that. And because of Adam's sin in the garden, when God had entrusted him with authority over the earth, and basically through his genealogy, mankind gave them a position of authority. And when Adam handed that authority over to Satan. Now Satan had a claim against every human that was ever born to hold them in bondage, to take their life, to steal, kill, and destroy the things concerning them. Right? Yes. Jesus, when he lived a sinless life and obediently died on the cross and was raised again from the dead on the third day and took his blood to the mercy seat forever and eternally paid for our sins. He became the covering and the payment for that eternally the caveat is you have to come underneath the blood right yes the you have to accept jesus you have to receive him you have to receive what he's done for you and apply it allow him to apply it to your life and you apply it as well to have that benefit but for anyone else living outside of the relationship with jesus they are still slaves and in bondage to the god of this world right the ruler of darkness Um, Revelation 12, verse 10, I'm going to read that real quick, Layla, in regards to the enemy found out about the sin, right? It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, and this is the amplified version, dominion reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, right? And sisters. Yes. The, the family and the, the children and the people of God. He accuses us day and night. And he keeps bringing charges before the father. Right? But Jesus is our advocate. Right? Yes. yes. 
why would he be advocating for us if there were no accuser? He wouldn't. If there were no one bringing charges and saying, hey, 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 I have a claim. You owe me. I own this. I should be able to wreak havoc in their life because of these sins. If that were not the case, why would we need an advocate? Because God has already stated he's on our side. We wouldn't need one. Okay. Sin puts us at odds with God and the capacity of we can't, we're not under his protection in fullness at that point. Yes, he shows us grace and mercy. Yes, he does. But it's not the full benefit of blessing that comes when we're obedient and we remain in communion and covenant fellowship with him. So your sin will find you out. The enemy will accuse you. But what does God say? And um, let's read Romans 2 verse 6, Layla. Who will render to each one according his deeds? Okay. So um, go back the verse before that for me real quick. So we kind of get a little bit more context with it. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Sorry. No, that was perfect. Thank you, dear. Okay, so we see God who does not account, if I commit a sin, it's not your sin to bear. He doesn't attribute that to you and go, oh, because so-and-so sinned, that's on you now. Jesus is the payment. He put our sin on him, not on each other. Do you have a responsibility? Say you have knowledge of something and you know God's righteous standard and you, you watch your brother or sister fall into temptation and you don't extend your hand and go, hey, brother and sister, you know, God loves you, turn from that. Will God hold you accountable? There's a good chance. He'll, he'll ask you about that. He'll question you on that. Why didn't you love on your sister and brother and look out for them? But as far as you paying the penalty for their sin, because someone else committed a sin, God doesn't do that. He renders to each one. Whether you're going to get a well done, thou good and faithful servant, whether you're getting the the covering and the, the anointing and the covering of blessing applied to your life is based on your decisions just like mine are, just like anybody else's, because that's who our God is. But for someone to make the choice of I'm going to depart, it's not my responsibility to make you stay in Christ. That's an individual choice. If our Father, our Heavenly Father, God, doesn't make us choose, um, like take away our choice, I'm sorry. He does give us a choice, but he does not make us choose him. He doesn't force us into relationship with him. Yes. Right. How much more so can I force you to have a relationship with the Lord? You can't. I can't. As your mother, I can make sure that you respect God and you learn about, of him. But when you go your into your adult life, it's your individual choice. You've been equipped. You've been taught. But whatever you choose will be what you choose. Right? Yes. And God will cover you based on what your choice is. Now, God's his best and his desire is that none should perish, but that all come to repentance. God is not surprised by our sin. He didn't, he's not thrown off. He's not unaware of it because he's everywhere. He sees all things. Nothing's hidden before him. Yes. So when someone sins, he's not like, oh, no. He's still there with his arms wide open. Turn and return to me. So that way we can restore the bond that we have. God is always righteous. He's not leaving us. He said himself, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Right? Yes. yes. So it is the part of the, the human that departs from relationship. The created 
thing or being that departs from their relationship with him. It's not God who's departing. So in this, this verse where it's talking about the difference from the, the child that passed away and Solomon, once David repented, he's back in the covering. God does not a God of penance. Oh, you've got to kneel down 15 times or you're going to have to suffer a long time before I accept you. The moment that we come to him and go, God, I'm sorry. First John 1, 9, I believe, says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. He's like, hey, it's just as if you never sinned. We're back in fellowship with him. Right? So yes. David, after he repented um, earlier in chapter 12, and he, he prayed and fasted for the child. The child died. He got up and went back, and I'll, I'll say, quote, unquote, home. He went to his place before the Lord and worshiped him and fully restored and entered into that covenant. And God's signifying and saying, hey, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you about this. I love you. And we're going to keep moving forward. Now you've shored up the gap that was in your hedge that you, God put the hedge, but David punched a hole in it, right? He tore it down yes. and made the opening for the enemy. But God said, hey, we're good. That hedge of protection is, is sure and enclosed now. Solomon, he's good. You've, you've resecured your home, right? Yes. Okay. So Solomon and the child that died have no relationship except for the fact that they have the same parents. So I, I think in humanity we look at, well, one child because they come from parents, you know, kind of making them into one when it's not necessarily the same thing. And the, the, parent, the parental factor is, are you keeping the hedge of protection around your family? Or are you giving place to the enemy to run ruckshod in your life or your children's life because they're not in a position, at, especially when they're young, to know how to intercede, know how to maintain that structure of protection spiritually or naturally. So if they can't do it naturally, I wouldn't expect a, a brand new baby to go and stop a robber from coming in the house. <laughs> Nobody would. Then why would I expect them to do it as a newborn, a baby? How would, how would they know how to fight spiritually, to use the weapons of our warfare. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. That's why God gave them parents. And he said, tend and keep the garden. That hasn't changed. Yes. Okay. So did that answer that question for you, dear? Yes. Okay. Does anything else come to mind? Any other questions or thoughts? You got something, Layla? Yes. Oh, let's hear it. I find it interesting that Bathsheba named Solomon his name, and it, it's translated as peaceful, but then the Lord came back and changed it to Jedediah, which literally meant beloved of the Lord. You saw something similar with um, Daniel, I believe, with his name changed. Okay. It had a different meaning. I just found it interesting that the Lord came back and gave him another name, like, no, this is what I want him named. This is his name. This is what I'm going to call him. Mm -hmm. Not saying that the Lord didn't call him Solomon like his parents named him, but in the relationship that was Jedediah to him, like mm -hmm. how we call each other um, our names. We all have a name, but some of us have nicknames, like LeCharles, mm -hmm. we call him Bubby. Mm -hmm. So it, it was one of those closer names as in a relationship when you have a good relationship with somebody you mm -hmm. don't you you call them by mm -hmm. nickname something that signifies that you love them mm -hmm. absolutely he he reassured and reconfirmed his love to mm -hmm. 
to David, which is what a good parent does. God is the ultimate father, right? Yes. <laughs> There's no one better. No one has a deeper or more pure love than our heavenly father does for us. No pure love is there. He's got it all. So he knows his son. He knows how to communicate and let him know, hey, son, we're okay. You're fine. You know, we're, we're tight again. The bond has been restored. You're protected. You're back. And this... Um, the safekeeping, because you remember David, while he was out in battle and everything else, God kept, God kept him. I believe, what was it? Um, what verse was that? Chapter eight, verse six says, so the Lord preserved David wherever he went. That was a signet. That was a stamp on, on David that David recognized. God's with me because he's keeping me and preserving me. And it said it multiple times in that chapter, God, that the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So when David committed this huge sin, it was a big deal to God because not that there's little sin, big sin, but this is something that's beneath a man who knows who God is, right? He's yes. not a, he's not an unbeliever. He's not a heathen. He's not someone who didn't grow up knowing who God is. So for him to do that, required different effort than it does for someone who doesn't know any better. But so now God is saying, okay, you left and departed. Safekeeping only belongs in the safe of the safety of remaining with the Lord. So you stepped out of that. Now there's repercussions. The curse is out there. It's going to get you. And then he came back and God said, I'm with you again. That's how he signified that to him. Anything else, Layla? No. What about you, La Charles? I found it interesting that um how you can find I found it interesting how the Lord can not how the Lord, how David found that the Lord was merciful. He continues to believe the best about the Lord even when the sick circumstances don't look about look like that and the, you can see the servants were taking a natural standpoint whereas david was looking at the bigger picture and seeing the good absolutely the true nature and character of god right because it wasn't god's character that was in question god didn't do something outside of character david did right yes all of those actions were not becoming of a king much less a king of the most high god a king that has been set in place by the Lord of hosts, <laughs> Adonai, God Almighty, El Shaddai. This is not the same character being displayed. So David understood that. You can make an outward appearance and people can make their have their perceptions, whatever they will, but you know the truth and God knows the truth. So David knew who he was before the Lord. I would say before Jesus, God, <laughs> David knew because he's already been ministering the Lord said to my Lord and um, had the promise, the commitment, you're going to have an heir. He's already been receiving revelation of things from the Lord, right? Yes. So being before the Most High God and the Lord Jesus Christ and making those kind of decisions was shameful. And David, like I said, he understood it wasn't God's character that was in question. It was absolutely his own. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, 
doesn't matter what outsiders think. It matters what God thinks of you. And tell, be truthful with yourself. David spent a lot of time going, I didn't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I didn't do anything wrong, hoping to get away with it when he could have and should have come back to God immediately. The best thing is don't make those decisions. You know, you know, right from wrong already. The Holy Spirit, even if you don't know details, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit to the truth, to the will of the Lord, and to what actions are pleasing in his sight. And he guides you into all truth. So when you hear that, mm, 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 don't do it. You know, that, that resistance, that little tugging coming from the Holy Spirit, don't override it. Listen to him and don't do whatever that is because you don't know what what doors are opened or repercussions are on the other side or what blessings you're shortchanging yourself from. God had already said earlier in chapter 12, if you weren't satisfied, you know, if it had been too little, all the things that he had given him, he would have given him more. All he had to do was ask. Yes. So don't ever feel like you need to send your way through something to get what you're looking for. Sin is never an answer. It's not the answer. It's not an answer. It's not. Don't ever feel like that. Trust God that he loves you and that you can come to him and let him know what it is that you desire. And oftentimes, if it's a desire that's twisted in some way, God understands what environment we come from. He knows how, you know, what impacts we've had in life. And he won't just smush it in your face. Um, is that Timothy? He talks about, uh, no, that's James. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Yes. Right. James chapter one. Go ahead and grab that for me, Layla. It's James one, five through six. Read it for me, dear. Oh, thank you. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So when we need something from God, he doesn't go, oh, you're so stupid and mush it in our face. And if you're hearing those kind of thoughts, it's not your heavenly father talking to you. Rebuke those thoughts, bind them up in the name of Jesus and cast them out because he's already said yes. He said he gives to all liberally who ask of him. You need, you need something. And he's going, well, I can't, I can't quite do that for you. Like if it's, and um, you're asking a miss or it's an erroneous thought process. He'll help fix it, right? So that you can see clearly and that you're, you're holding things accurately so that he can bless you with what it is that you truly desire. We don't always know how to ask for things. And sometimes our, our perspective is tainted by um, life, environment that we grew up in, what we've been watching on TV, just an ultimately influences from the world. And what God does is not that he says, no, you can never have that. If it is something like, if it's a sin, he'll let you know, but he'll turn those thoughts and help you to see him more clearly so that you can find the solution of what it is that you're longing for on the inside. Most of the time, it's just him that he need, you need more of, you know, he wants to fill you up. But when you've done all that and you're like, God, I just have this desire, take it to him, trust him. He's not gonna humiliate you or belittle you for making a request to him, big or small. He's not gonna go, oh, you're stupid. He never, he never treats us like that. But he'll commune with us and he'll fellowship with us and he'll guide us in the right direction so that way we can get 
a resolution, we can get the, the answer to our prayers, the desires of our heart. And he'll clarify that thought or those desires to make them pure. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Any more questions? Any more thoughts about that section? No. no. Okay. Promise. Can I have you read from verse 26 to the end of the chapter? Yes. Now Joab fought against Rabba of the people of Ammon. 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 And mm -hmm. took the royal city. Mm -hmm. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabba, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and camp against the city and take it. Please, I take the city and be caught after my aim. Mm -hmm. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabba, fought against it, and took it. And he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a town of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought out the people who were in it, and put them to work with saws mm -hmm. and iron pick picks and iron axes, and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did to all the cities of the people Ammon. Mm -hmm. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Okay. Well, so what 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 did the Holy Spirit minister to you, the Charles? Oh. Now, when I was looking at it and reading it, you can see that when Job was attacking it. Mm-hmm. Where was he read? Second. Oh, I found it interesting that you can see like Job is saying, like encouraging David to get back on track on what he's supposed to be doing and telling him, get your off over here. <laughs> right. And, but you can see that Job tries to throw his own weight inside of him and say he gets the name after him. So, you can see that he deviates from what the Lord is trying to accomplish by Job right there. And that reminds me of just times when others say, you're telling us don't try to add whatever you think should be added there. Just say exactly what the Lord says. Okay. And that's what the Lord was sharing me with Joab. Okay, so you're, are you saying that the Lord was using Joab to kind of spur David like snap him back into focusing and thinking on being the king. But then he also added a little bit of his own sayings to it. Like the Lord yes. didn't give him quite all those words. He, he filled it up a little bit and added on some to the end. Yes. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Yep. He, you can see certainly the Holy Spirit reminding him, you have a job to do. David being king wasn't about him living in the lap of luxury. Yes, that was a bonus, a side result. Absolutely, Kyla, a bonus. Yes, God blessed him as he went, but it wasn't for him to just kick back and lay in the, you know, the flowery bed of ease and, and eat bonbons, eat bonbons <laughs> and be fanned with palm leaves and eat grapes out of someone's, you know, clutches, <laughs> their fingers. <laughs> That's not what David being king was for. He was 
supposed to be fighting the Lord's battles and focusing on doing what it is that God asked him to do. Does God want us to enjoy life? Yes. Jesus said that plainly, life more abundantly, right? But James makes it clear when he talks about when we make requests, spending it on your pleasures, right? So that you can live in um, laziness and not fulfilling the things that God called you to. God didn't ask us to live that way. He wants us to be about the father's business. That's what Jesus said, right? Don't you know? I would be about my father's business. That's what we're here for, ultimately. But God wants us to enjoy things as we go along the way. And there's nothing wrong with that. He has the right to ask that of us because he's given us everything himself already. So, yep, I think God was, you had that right. He was encouraging David, get back to work. Get back to work because David should have been there to begin with, right? Pick up, get back on track. Don't keep laying down. Don't keep being carried away by these other things because... As Solomon recorded, certain things have the ability to reduce a a human full of potential down to nothing. Okay? Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Joab was a little bit salty. He's been out there. David had time to see someone, impregnate them, go through an entire pregnancy, 10 months, deliver the baby, mourn for the baby, give the woman another baby. <laughs> and Joab is still out there fighting. I can see Joab being a little bit salty about that. Yes. Because while David is off of his journey, now other people are having to fill in the gap. And Joab was not to be king. This wasn't his walk. So now he's got to, you know, slide over and fill a role that he wasn't destined for. Yes. He wasn't created for that, that particular thing right there. So that's why God is like, just do what I asked you to do. That way everybody will be blessed. It'll be good. Everybody, you will be in your rightful place doing what, feel, fulfilling the role that you should be fulfilling and others will likewise. Any thoughts, promise? Yes. Okay, what, what are you thinking? Kind of like how... After, like, I kind of, like, to me, it just kind of seems like a kind of language, like the language that's used when, kind of like when David's recalibrated. Okay. What do you mean? Like, before, to it, when they were saying stuff, it usually didn't have, like, it kind of sound empty. Okay, what verses, so you, you're, what verses are you referring to, sweetheart? No, I'm talking about the whole chapter. The whole chapter, so David's been kind of just going through the motions, he didn't sound like he was focused? Is that what you mean? Or he didn't mean what he said? It sounds different from what he talks like after this chapter. Oh. Like David's usual tone. Yes. Okay. Like. And his speech pattern. Okay. So while David was going through this process of breaking fellowship with the Lord, falling into sin, staying there for a while, repenting and then coming back into fellowship with God. He's gone through 
an experience, if you will, and it made him not sound like himself or and act and behave like he normally does. That's a that's a good observation, and that's a true statement. Sin, my my pastor who went home to be with the Lord would always say, takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you want to stay. So, especially for a believer that knows God, that's walked with Him, that's tasted of the goodness, it's not just easy. It's not a simple thing for us to go and commit sins against the Lord, especially things that we know are treasonous in the way of. It's not a sin that he wasn't aware of and and committed it. He just didn't know any better. It wasn't like that. It was he knew full on exactly what God said about it and how he felt about it. And he knew that it would hurt God to do what he did, but he decided and chose to do it anyway. He pushed past all the stops from the Holy Spirit. He pushed back the stops, and I'm sure the servants had looks on their faces when he made those out-of-the-way requests, go get her, et cetera, et cetera, take her back and pass Uriah's righteous words to him. And he still persisted in that journey that he was on, persisted in that sinful um, lifestyle that he was embarking on. So it does have an impact. And yes, when we come back to God and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he's like, hey, as far as I'm concerned, your sin, what happened? <laughs> because it's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, right? As far as the East is from the West, yes. he removes our sin from us. That's, that's God's character. That's who he is. That's his nature. However, human, humanity and humans have a harder time letting things go. We have something called a soul, and it is virtually a recorder. Keeps it, you know, you can play it back like a tape recorder, and you can hear it over and over again. You can see the sights over and over again. That's also why pornography is something that should never be indulged in because it leaves a stamp and an imprint. It's a sexual sin and which sexual sins happen within the body versus other kinds of sin that are without outside of the body. It leaves an imprint and a stamp behind that God can do a miraculous work and wipe that out. And some, some people go, okay, and they can move on with God, but others cannot. And so they have to now have their soul cleansed from dead works. Now they have to go through that renewing of the mind process. Now they have to let those needs be done away with and go through that process of being cleaned up on the inside. So when they blink their eyes, they're not looking at something they shouldn't be looking at. They're not remembering the sin that happened before, but now they're able to just keep moving forward. So even if somebody commits a sin and they come back, even the fact of remembering it yourself is something that has to be dealt with. Yes. Because, first of all, God doesn't make us feel guilty. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and goes, hey, that's not right. Fix it. Come back, repent, turn away from those actions. But, and, not but, like, negating it. And we still have that soul that remembers those things that now it has to be dealt with. Anybody yes. have anything else? Thank you, Promise. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Yep. I can I can see he when he David took that crown, he didn't quite have the same vigor that he normally has doing it. It wasn't 
you know, quite the same as other things that he's had, other victories. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and stop there for today. Layla, my love, won't you close us out in prayer, okay? Thank you, sweetheart. Lord, I just thank you for today and for giving us the time to spend with each other, Lord, to learn about you and just explore how you are, Lord, and continue to grow and walk in your statutes and your ways, Lord. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit and for Jesus, that they're both there to help us in our walk with you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, and he shows us when we have fallen short, Lord, and he helps us bring us back, Lord, and that we have an advocate with the Father, Lord, who is Jesus Christ, who is sit, who sits on the right hand of the Father on yes, high Lord. forevermore, Lord. You, and I just thank you for your goodness. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. We're thankful that you guys were with us today. We bless you in the name of Jesus, and we're keeping you all in prayer. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. <laughs>